I demand to know, as should everyone, especially the media, why important testimony from, made that day from over 150 police, firefighters, and first responders regarding explosions wasn't included in the commission report. I have no idea how to fake killing 4,000 people. So we're just going to have to do it for real. Don't blame it on Muslims, naturally. I'm hearing all kinds of explosions. All this time I'm hearing explosions. They showed up for 10 days, 10 or 11 days approximately, then they were never seen again. And that's when they believed they wired the building. I'm going to crash the plane into the World Trade Center. Back at it one more again for the most dangerous two hours in radio on the wake up with your host this evening, your brother Cam Kazi the Cutlass. Shout out to my co-host, my brother John, the Masonic Marine from the Truth Booth Podcast. Shout out to super producer Cindy Ashby for bringing us all together. Shout out to the whole On The Wake Up Radio family and shout out to you, the listener of the On The Wake Up Radio Army. Check us out at onthewakeupradio.com. On the wake up radio.com. Definitely, if you're listening on the IG live, you want to go to on the wake up radio.com too, because we're going to talk about some hot shit tonight. Man, I just stumbled on some information this evening and it's very interesting. So, you know, you know how it goes already. We've been facing heavy interference as it is. So, I always recommend people go to on the wake up radio.com. You can listen on on the IG live, but you know. Keep the radio on, too, because you get that smooth, crisp, clear broadcast. Salute, King. I see you, brother. Um, You can check out the archives at the SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If you're listening on any of those outlets, definitely hit that like button and hit that share button. If you know someone who is ready to hear this content or someone who you feel just needs to hear the content, hit that share button and share this with them. Share this with someone who you feel is on the wake up. <clears throat> Big shout out to FEMA FEMA administrator, Deanne Criswell. Deanne, we see you. Thank you for keeping the lights on. If you're listening on the IG Live, shout out your FEMA region. What FEMA region you hailing from? I'm in FEMA region too. Who is my FEMA administrator right now? You know, these are definitely interesting times we're living in right now. This is the anniversary of 9-11. This is the 20th anniversary. Can y'all believe it? 20 freaking years since 9-11. And, you know, this whole conversation... It's in the backdrop of 9-11. I should say 9-11 is in the backdrop. And we couldn't have this 2020, post-2020 thing without 9-11, you know? And always got to give a shout out to to those who, who perished in it, you know, the innocent lives, the first responders, if you got to listen to the ad today, it was a little um, it was a little collage of different 
different things, whether it was movies, shows, or actual people. One of the movies was The Long Kiss Goodnight, one of my personal favorite movies with uh, Sam Jackson and Gina Davis. Long story short, one of the hooks in that movie is that you have, you know, rogue CIA operative now working with terrorists, with bad guys to create um, a terrorist situation so that Congress will give the CIA more funding. And this is because the Soviet Union fell, so they're no longer doing the, you know, the super soldiers, the, J the Jason Bourne type super soldiers, and they need more funding because they get their funding, their funding cut. So they concoct a scheme to kill, you know, 4,000 people and eventually get their funding for it. And so, you know, you look at what happened on 9-11, was it 3,880-something people died on that day? It's close to 4,000 people. Did I say 400? 4,000 people. The plan was to kill 4,000 Americans in order to get their funding. He said, blame the Muslims naturally, and then we get our funding. There's also a show, The Lone Gunman. Now, this was a spinoff from... From the X Files, if y'all remember the X Files, they had a, a this kind of hokey little group of of conspiracy theorists. They weren't really they were conspiracy theorists, but they were researchers, and you know they were cracking or solving all these little puzzles. Mulder and Scully would go to them sometimes, and they'd always give them you know a leg up on information. So yeah, they were conspiracy theorists, but they were always right, you know, or they always on the right path at least. So they did a spinoff show. The fucking pilot episode was dropped. A, a Hold on. Let me just look this up. Uh, let me look this up so I can so I can tell you. OK, the Lone Gunman TV series created by Chris Carter. The pilot, the pilot episode. This was released on, let me see if I can find the date. Aired on March 4th, 2001. March 4th, 2001. Um, and, and this is just, from imdb.com. In this episode, government terrorists attempt to remotely fly a Boeing 727 into the World Trade Center. The context in which this this is displayed would not have been possible as most 727s were built before the advent of digital avionics systems. Duh, blah, blah. Uh, the analog computers inherent. It, this is from IMDB. Point being, the fucking moral of this story, the, the, the pilot episode was about some rogue government somebody is going and trying to fly airplanes into the World Trade Center. This is in the first fucking episode of The Lone Gunman. Chris Carter, this guy, whatever, uh, you know, um, consultants, FBI consultants he's had on his show, whatever the fuck, you know, Department of Defense, been on point, on point. So, you know, that was another clip that we had in the show, in the, uh, in the ad. Another clip I put in the ad was... Susan Lindauer. Susan Lindauer. She is a former CIA asset. She was 
one of the people who was ringing the alarm, she she explained to us, first off, she was in a, on a 10-year gag order from 2001 to 2011. You know, she was working for the CIA. She was a backdoor channel to, to Iraq at the time. And she was explaining that as she was working for the CIA, she was communicating with Iraq pre-9-11. And for whatever reason, you know, they, they got the memo that there was going to be some kind of terrorist attack on the U.S. And it was going to involve planes hitting the World Trade Center. So they knew this was going to happen. They just didn't know when. She knew this from early 2001, probably around the time that the Lone Gunman show came out. So, you know, I guess whoever wrote the show, maybe they had a heads up or maybe it was just divine coincidence, right? So Susan Lindauer, she she was um, you know, she was going back and forth between Iraq and the Iraqi embassy and letting them know that if they had any information for that uh, of a terrorist attack or an impending terrorist attack that and they didn't tell the US they would be bombed into the stone age basically. So they were like, "Hey, listen, we don't have any information. The only information we have is coming from you, the CIA." And, you know, when George Bush tells us that Iraq had pre-9-11 information intelligence, right, they knew that something was going to happen with 9-11, it was because the CIA asset is the one who told them that there was going to be some kind of attack. You see how the government's able to maneuver like that? So that's another clip that we have on the ad. Susan Lindauer. Susan Lindauer is a beast. She t- she gives us so much information. One of the things that Susan Lindauer um, tells us is that the the in, in the intel that she was given as a CIA asset, she was told that there was going to be an attack using planes on the twin towers, and that there was going to be some kind of thermal nuclear weapon. Used and it was going to be an attack in Lower Manhattan. So she she already knew this months before 9/11. She was over there doing her diligence to find out who was going to be responsible for this attack. So another clip on it on the ad was of Barry Jennings. Rest in power, Barry Jennings. Barry Jennings was one of the many witnesses, 9/11 witnesses, who came forward and he told us. That see Barry Jennings, he worked for um the part o- OE OEC departments OEM or something like that, Department of Emergency Management, something along those lines. He worked there for like 20, 30 years, some shit like that, right? And he he explained that, you know, after the towers, the first towers got hit, and he went down to the Office of Emergency Management down in Building 7. He and another guy, um, I can't remember the guy's name now, went up to the seventh, uh, the 24th floor. When they got up there, you know, they were let in. They went up to the 24th floor. When they got up there, everybody was gone. They said they saw cups of coffee where the steam was still coming up and everybody was gone. So they said, oh, shit, let's get out of here. So getting out of here, then they start hearing explosions. They said they ended up having to go down the stairwell. I think they went from the 24th floor and were working their way down the stairwell. And when they got about around the, the 20, 
23rd, 24th floor. There, no, no, excuse me. Set, set, I think it was like the 6th floor or something like that, 6th, 7th floor. There was an explosion that blew them back up. So this building 7, there was an explosion that blew them back up to like the 8th floor. And he said he was dangling on a pipe. He just dangling there. And they had to pull themselves back up. And so after that, they were, you know, knocked out a window and were screaming for help from the fire department. His brother came around back and saw them. And, you know, he, long story short, they got out of the building. You know, fire department finally weaved through building seven and helped them to get out of it. When they got down to the lobby, the lobby was completely blown out. He said when he got into the lobby, this is the crazy shit. When he got into the lobby, he said it was a beautiful lobby with the uh, the escalator and all that stuff. Beautiful lobby, right? He went up to the 24th floor, right? This is what I told you. He went up to the 24th floor, and he and this man were weaving their way downstairs on the stairs, and then there was a huge explosion that sent them from, like, the 6th floor to the 8th floor up. That was, in my, that was probably the lobby being blown out. Because he said when they got down to the lobby with the fire department, that shit was destroyed, completely destroyed. And he said they were walk stepping over bodies. You know what I mean? Building seven. There was a huge wall hole in the wall. They don't know who he don't know who put the hole there, but he got out. And he explained that as he's walking out, as he's going through all this, they constantly hearing explosions the whole time. Explosions, explosions, whole bunch of explosions. He said he thought it was cars blowing. He didn't know what it was, but he heard explosions, right? This is Barry Jennings' account. Y'all should go check it out. Barry Jennings, very interesting interview. It's in Loose Change or Loose Change Part 2. You know, shout out to the, uh, the, the cats who did Loose Change because that was a big piece of truth evidence. There was a lot of really good documentaries that came out shortly after 9-11 where they found archive footage, whether it was from news stations, uh, you know, all kind of stuff to kind of help us put the pieces together. So check out Barry Jennings, rest in power, because he's one of the many people, many witnesses who mysteriously died. The last, the last person in the ad is police commissioner, no, excuse me, fire commissioner, Christopher Gioia, Christopher Gioia, and Christopher Gioia, he explains, this um, speech is from around 2018, I think, I think it's in 2018, and it's wild because we've talked about this on the show too, you know, Back in 2018, this guy, I believe he was Marine Corps, you know, he came back, uh, he was volunteer fire department in, um, I can't remember what part of Long Island now, but you know, he lost people in in 9-11, like so many firefighters, like so many fire departments in different uh, stations. He was explaining that, you know, that how, how shabbily done the the 9-11 commission was in the investigation. He said, you know, he gave all these statistics, um, different investigations that were given hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of dollars to do the investigation. He said the 9-11 investigation was given $3 million and like 
18 months or 18 weeks, I think 18 months to actually complete the investigation. They were basically starved of resources to do the investigation. He said that the Twin Towers should have been treated like a crime scene. He said that there are over 150, I think over 150 witness accounts from police and firefighters who were saying that there were bombs and explosions going off around the Twin Towers and that they were going to bring this to, I think he said the Fourth Circuit Court and actually, um, I think he said the Fourth Circuit Court to the point where they had subpoena power, where they could subpoena and actually get some answers. This was in 2018. I believe this was 2018 or 2019. 2018 or 2019. Maybe 2019. I'm not sure. But I remember watching the news, you know, I just, the news, the TV just happened to be on that day. It was in, I think it had to be for me, it was 2019. And I saw a little extra, a little sound bite in the news. It was the local New York news. And they said that FDNY, Fire Department New York, wants to reopen or relaunch the 9-11 investigation because police and firefighters believe that there were explosives used in or controlled demolitions used in the bringing down of the towers. Then it went away. I didn't see anything about that again. So, you know, that's how I find out, found out about this. And then I started doing my homework, seeing, did I hear that? Or did I smoke something really good that day? And that's what came up. Finally came across Christopher Gioia, you know, police commissioner, excuse me, fire commissioner, who came through that. Um, yeah, out of the blue BMX, salute to you, man. Salute to everyone tuning in. Um, you already know, folks, you might want to go to onthewakeupradio.com. I always say keep the IG live on and just turn down the volume and then go to onthewakeupradio.com so you can listen to the crisp, clear, uninterrupted transmission. Out of the blue BMX, that's the homie right there. Salute to you, bro. He says, mysteriously, of all the rubble and ash, Behold, a passport on the ground. Yeah, exactly. They found the passport. And that's the shit. And so, you know, so as this is going on, because I'm 19 years old now when 9-11 happened, you know, and this is like, I started to wake up right before that. So I was all, when 9-11 happened, I already knew. I, listen, I knew Babylon was falling. I knew some fucked up shit was coming to this country already. I, I, I know, I, I swear, I tell this story every 9-11 on this show. I already, that's when I was starting to embrace Rastafari. I understood the role of Babylon. I understood Babylon had to burn, you know? Um, a friend of mine, her mother, this was right after high school, summer before high school. Her mother deals with um, astrology readings. She did my chart. She did my friend's chart. And she was telling us about astrology. She said she did the chart. She and her friends, her colleagues, did the chart for the United States. They said, she said something was coming soon that dealt with planes. And she said, we don't know exactly what it is, but it's going to mean something different to us than it means to the government. And it had to do, it related somehow to Flight 800, which went down in the Long Island Sound. If y'all remember, that was that plane in like 98, somewhere around there, 98, that was shot down. 
shot down or whatever happened to it. We know now that it's likely it was shot down. But she said it related to Flight 800. It would mean something different to the government than it means to us. Just be aware. This is what she told me months before 9-11 or maybe a month or two before 9-11. So I was already waking up at that point. I already had certain things in my mind. So when it happened, that just snapped me out. That's, that's when I woke the fuck up for real. You know what I mean? So it was like 20 years ago this year. I was on the wake up up until that point, And then I was fucking awake after that point. And so this is what I try to explain to people. Like, I, I, you know, I've had the luxury of time. You know what I'm saying? I've had 20 years. I can't believe it's been 20 years, but I've had 20 years to sit back and watch this shit play out. There are so many different times. I thought the shit that we're living in now, so many different times that I thought it was going to pop up and we were going to be in this shit. So it is, I promise you, it is no surprise to me that we are in this now in 2020. It's been a long time coming. We had a, a lot of time to fuck around and now it's real. Now boot camp is over and we're in this bitch now. Check out some of your comments. Um, that's right. Um, Dior Dior Fid said this whole shit is about to hit the fan, the earth. Stop keeping secrets. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And out of the blue, BMX says, and today, it, uh, it, today it is remnants of black cubes water falling into the ground. What? Oh, you're gonna have to explain that one to me. Fed code fit says, man, a few architects said it was impossible for those buildings to fell like that because of the planes. They were silenced. Oh, yeah. Architects and engineers, architects and engineers. You know, there's over 1500 architects and engineers who said there's no fucking way that that could happen. And they give the science of why that can never happen. And they, they have the type of evidence that can stand in court. But will they ever be brought into court? They may be brought into court. Yo, yo, this whole thing, and this is what John and I have been saying since that time, because 2019, we had this 9-11 shit coming out. Um, Hold on. Out of the blue, BMX says 9 to 11 in the Kabbalah is 9 Binah Saturn. Elevated beyond the Godhead of 10 to ascend above Kether, ascending to 11, the number of the Magi. I don't know what that means, but that's some shit. I'm going to keep it real. I don't even know what that means, but that's some shit. One thing John and I have been saying since at least 2019, because we, we um you know, this 9-11 disclosure came out. The FDNI want to reopen the 9-11 investigation. We said, oh, shit, great. Jeffrey Epstein was in, uh, was still alive at the time, alive. You know what I'm saying? Who knows where that motherfucker is? He was still alive at the time, in prison. He was on trial. Um, Harvey Weinstein was on trial. A lot of things were being disclosed in 2019, and it looked like we were finally gonna get. I don't want to call it justice, but we were gonna get some disclosure because important information was coming into court. We had the Epstein, we had the 9-11 shit, okay? 9-11 investigation was to be reopened by the FDNY. You know what I mean? That's huge because up until that point, all this stuff was relegated to the realm of conspiracy theory. And what happens? 2020? Fucking 2020 happens. 
shut all that shit down, you know? And so that this this conversation, you know, we it this is like uh the hist- history repeating itself. Same type of energy of history repeating itself, okay? Let me bring you back to 2001. There's a conference in September of 2001. It's the conference. It's the Durban Conference on Racism, Xenophobia, all that stuff. And in that point, in that conference, the Africa was bringing basically the Western world to task. They were saying, hey, y'all are responsible for slavery, for colonialism, for global racism, for xenophobia. All the fucked up shit y'all been doing. Uh, Israel was on uh, kind of on trial, on trial, not really on trial, but they were talking about it. It was a discussion. I remember this shit happening because this conversation was supposed to lead to reparations in 2001. A few days into it, this was like a 10 day conference, maybe a few days into it, the U.S. and Israel walked out of the conference, uh, walked out of the conference. The, the the U.S. delegation and the Israeli delegation walked the fuck out. Five days later, 9-11 happened. Shut that whole conversation down. Shut that whole shit down. Because the whole thing with the reparations conversation that people understand, it's not that, you know, we, and this is my opinion on it. It's not about looking for handouts for anything. It's about... People, uh, a people, people globally have been culturally destroyed. They've been economically suppressed and depressed and removed from society. You know, the whole concept of second class citizens, you know, it's not, it's not about wanting anything but the means to do for self. You know, and and when you put these people on record for what they did, and this is the whole thing, and this goes back to Rastafari too, what people need to understand. Rastafari is not just about smoking weed and, you know, ivory and peace and all that shit. No, Rasta is about resistance against Babylon. It's about resistance against oppression. It's about repatriation. It's about uh, reparations and repatriation and rebuilding the black family. Okay, that's what Rastafari is about. Rastafari is about the the uh, the Rastaman, the Ayaman, the original man, and reclaiming who we are as Black people, as African people, and, and so forth and so on. It's about rebuilding what was destroyed, you know. And even now with the reparations conversation, it's about rebuilding what was destroyed. We don't need anything from anybody. If I start to go, if if we start to to go and talk about what was done, just to keep people suppressed and depressed, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this, and I'm, I'm gonna make this as short as possible. Okay, we know about obviously the removal of Africans from the African continent. You know, we know that many of them were brought over here. We know that about the natives who were tortured. Uh, I mean, look at what Columbus did when he came here. What did Columbus do? I mean, no movie is going to describe what this mass murderer did. You know, that shit would be rated X (laughs) straight up. 
the the raping, the pillaging. They used to, I mean, and if you see the artwork that they created, they would hang people up by these racks and fucking by their hands and fucking burn them alive underneath. Just have enough fire to burn them slowly, okay? They would feed the children to the, the hunting dogs. They had hunting dogs. They had fucking armor on them. And they would feed babies to them. They would feed people. They would have these, these dogs gnaw off people's genitals, okay? They would rape the women, wholesale rape the women. That's just Columbus. That's just one motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Talk about what the British did when they got here. I mean, you know, they, we had the, the, the smallpox blankets and all that shit. It's biological warfare way back when, okay? You know, what was done to the Africans, and the different natives, the black natives who were here at the time, I mean, they, they fucking decimated, decimated destruction of the people and the culture. Um, to, you know, I'm just thinking like different periods in time where fucked up shit was done. You know, it, it's enough to say, OK, you know what? Maybe, maybe y'all need to be repaid. You know what I mean? And it's not just the U.S. government that did. This was corporations, you know what I'm saying? This was the Catholic Church. This were the corporations. They were all in cahoots and everybody was okay with what was going on, okay? You, because the the strength of the culture and the cultural norms and the, the institutions that were created by these cultures were so strong that they had to destroy the culture in order to control the people. And if you, you could say it was a completely economic thing. That's okay. Call it economics, all right? But they had to destroy the culture. That means you had to destroy because they didn't have religion, but you had to destroy the belief systems of these people, which means you had to tell them that, no, you're not God. You're not divine. This white man is God, and God is wrathful and vengeful, and you were born in sin. They had to put this program into people over hundreds of years. They had to change the way people's DNA was encoded. They had to inflict trauma into these people, so that especially the men, so that they passed this trauma naturally down to their children, okay? They had to take the sciences and figure out how to break people's will and their spirit in order to control them for hundreds of years, okay? And if this applies to everything we're talking about now, it's all going to come full circle in this conversation because this process were, was perfected over hundreds of years. And now in 2021, they're applying that same thing to the general population. Okay. You, you know that poem where they say, whatever. Uh, I wasn't a communist. When they came for the communists, I didn't care. They came for these people, I didn't care. When they came for me, no one else was left because I didn't, no one else was left to care when they came for me, right? That's where we're at right now in 2021. And what you're seeing happen to white America, especially, this is the process that has been perfected over hundreds of years on the indigenous people across the earth. And now it's coming home to roost in the United States. They are playing that same fucking game with Americans. They're doing the same thing to white people right now. Okay. It, it is a worldwide thing. That is why it is the new world order. Okay. Because it's across the globe. They don't give a fuck, okay? Because now it's about control, suppression, okay? You see what's happening in Australia? We're going to get to all that tonight. But let me go back now to my melanated people, okay? So when we talk about reparations, like we said, it's not a handout. 
It's about repairing the destruction that's been done to a people over hundreds of years, over hundreds of years, okay? The conversation came up in 2001 and 9-11 shut that whole conversation down because after that point, now you're a terrorist. If you talk against the US or Britain or the Western world, you're a fucking terrorist, okay? So now people are sitting here with this strange dichotomy. It's like, wait, uh, we were about to get reparations, but uh, I'm not a terrorist. I just want what's mine. I want you to get off my land. But if, look at look at the the wealth that the world, especially the Western world, and, and now China, but look, look at the wealth that's being raped and pillaged out of Africa to this day. It's still going on today, okay? Africa, especially look at like the former French colonies in Africa. They are still paying tribute to France. They're still giving France, you know, 75% of their GDP. How the fuck did that happen? How is that going on today? Look, look what just happened. Guinea. Guinea just had a coup. Fucking Guinea. I'm just looking, these are just the headlines and Reuters. Regional envoys meet Guinea junta, ousted president after coup. African Union suspends Guinea after coup. Guinea's coup, what a military takeover means for the country in West Africa. You're telling me y'all in the middle of a fucking pandemic, y'all went and had a coup? No, what was Guinea doing prior to the coup? That's what I want to know. And maybe we, we may not have time to go, to go into that tonight because that takes some research. But it's very, very odd to me how a coup just popped up just now, okay? In whose interest, what Western power is behind that coup? Because I can't help but think that there was a Western power behind that coup. What better way to destabilize the African continent than to stage another fucking coup? In Guinea? Guinea's one of the nations that just a few years ago, Guinea, there was um some some French doctors that went to Guinea. And they started injecting children. Who knows where the fuck they popped up from? But they popped up at a school and they started injecting these uh, these children with some kind of vaccine. And folks, you already know I'm using the keywords. Shit might start getting a little wonky right now. Go to onthewakeupradio.com. These guys popped up and started injecting children at a school. The children started dying on the spot. And there was an uprising over that. And then these doctors fucking were secreted away and <laughs> disappeared, okay? So there's constantly a constant assault on African people, on melanated people worldwide. In my humble opinion, this is just another case, okay? Hold on. I see y'all dropping a lot of comments in here. Let me just see what y'all are saying, man. Let me see. Right, right. It's not about a handout. That's right. Um, listen, man, a lot of us did come from Africa. There were definitely blacks in the continental United States, South America, Caribbean islands. Some of those people were Africans too. Okay. Africans were traveling back and forth. Some people, not everybody was a native American. Okay. Not everybody was a black native American. There are definitely 
melanated Native Americans who were in this land for sure, who were in North, uh, North America, all along the Eastern seaboard. There's accounts from um, uh, Verrazano when he traveled from basically from uh, like Florida all the way up the East Coast. He was encountering a lot of melanated natives all the way up into like Maine. And then when you got to Maine, that's when you started to get to the, you know, the long haired, more the uh, the more, um, I guess you say, Asiatic looking Native Americans. OK, but then there were Africans who were brought over here for sure. There, and there is so much African culture in the Western Hemisphere. I mean, it, it, even from the the way we um, the way we speak. Our foods, um, cult- cultural norms. Di- di- um, I could I could go into it. There's a lot of African stuff over here. There's no way that we had this much African culture unless there was a large African population in the Western Hemisphere. Definitely, like I said, from the food to the language. To um, it, you know, there's like little nuances that certain, like even certain rhythms. You know what I'm saying? Certain ways, certain instruments, the banjo and the guitar, things like that. If either, either there was a small population of Africans who came here who were so dominant that they that they uh, basically absorbed the Native American culture. Or there was a large population of Africans who were brought to this land. And I know people, you know, there's a whole lot of dispute over that. But there's a lot of African culture over here that's still in us. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's black, there was black Indians here. You know, we know about the $5 Indians. And we know about, um, what do you call it? The paper genocide. That is definitely a real thing. Um, who's that? Mr. Bentley said, what do I know about Larry Hoover? I don't know much about Larry Hoover. I don't know enough to speak on him. Yeah, Larry Hoover. Yeah, they, they should release him, you know. Um, but that's how they do. They keep their political prisoners, you know. Oh, yeah, out of the blue said the Gestapo is fully in place. Gang stalking first. Yeah, exactly. Gang stalking. That's a whole other shit. So much that we can talk on this evening, you know especially in the anniversary of 9-11, because just like, just like in 2001, we were having the reparations conversation, and that was squashed by 9-11. Now, these criminals are being brought to trial. Yo, and John and I talk about this all the time, the judges, like the judges have seen the names of the people that were um, that 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 were trafficking children, you know, um, the people who visited Jeff Epstein's island, the people who were friends with him, the, the names that we know about, like you know, uh, obviously the Bill Gates, the Andrew Cuomo's, the um, J- J- Elliot Spitzers, Michael Bloomberg's, you know, um, the what do you call it? The Victoria's Secret dude, lots of people, the Bidens were involved in all that shit, you know, the trafficking, the the Biden crime family. The Bidens, his, Joe Biden's brother owns, owns an island, Water Island, which is 
close enough to Jeffrey Epstein's island, okay? And you know, they talk about how Jelaine Maxwell has a submarine, or she has, she has a submarine pilot's license and a submarine. Water Island protects, you. in World War II, Water Island was used to protect a submarine base in St. Thomas in the West Indies, in the Virgin Islands. So you're telling me that Water Island if it's protecting the submarine base, but doesn't have submarine access, it, it, you know, and that's speculation about tying those pieces together. But listen, man, this is an international child trafficker. Um, I, I would look at every motherfucker. If I was the FBI, I would look at all those motherfuckers, you know, or maybe not because the FBI has been compromised. But point being, the judges have seen the names you know, the um, Deutsche Bank was one of the banks that was being used for money laundering. The judge who was on the trial with the Deutsche Bank person, portion of the Jeffrey Epstein trial, she's the one who a uh, fucking UPS or FedEx delivery man knocked on her door and shot her, killed her son and shot her husband. And then this motherfucker was found like a hundred something miles away with a bullet. He killed himself in his car. Shit makes no sense. No fucking sense. A lot of this information has come out in court. The judges have seen it. And the judges refuse to release it to the public. The Jelaine Maxwell trial is coming up November 25th, I think, of this year, of 2021. It's in a few months. Watch the fuckery on and around Thanksgiving of this year. These people are getting desperate. This shit, this information should have come out in 19, excuse me, in 2019, but then 2020 happened. So now we're back where we started, where there's a whole lot of justice to be meted out. And we can't even find out about it because we're so fucking caught up in this pandemic. It's a repeat. It's a repeat of 2001 folks. Yo, thank you to everyone that's tuning in right now. I'm just going through some of these comments. Peace, God. Peace, peace. Um, oh, shit. Okay, Brother Zolo in the place to be. Okay, okay. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, I, could, I could go in... I could go in about the whole Africans, Native Americans thing. I'm not really going to do that right now because in the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, it, it doesn't matter in the end of the day, in my opinion. You know, it matters a little bit, but it really doesn't matter because I even see those divisions as a way to divide people. You know, um, there's... There's uh and, and even when it comes to reparations, that part of the problem with the conversation at this point is that there there's more division being created. Are we Native Americans? Are we Africans? Uh, listen, we're both. Okay, the, enough of the Native American people who are called Native Americans. some of them were Africans who had traveled here who were just chilling here, you know, because, and, and people don't want to have this part of the conversation. 
the, you know, which, okay, which black natives, which melanated natives are people claiming to be from? You know, are they from the Olmecs? Okay. Olmecs have been in this land about 3,000 years, but where did the Olmecs come from? The Olmecs came from Africa. Undisputed in real scholarship. The Olmecs came from Africa. So which Native Americans are they? Yes, they're Native Americans. They've been here 3,000 years. You know? But they're also Africans. Did they come in later waves? Are they Native Americans that were here a few hundred years before Europeans came? Are they Native Americans who they traveled from Africa, were gonna go back and got caught up in slavery? Do they know? You know what I'm saying? Or are they from earlier waves of Native Americans, the ones who, you know, who peopled the Amazon rainforest, who, who grew the Amazon rainforest? Are they from that old, old stock who has been here for hundreds of thousands of years, who are more closely related to the Aborigines, you know, and Polynesians? Are they more closely related to those people? You know, and that's why I don't get into the conversation. People ain't ready for that part of the conversation. And it doesn't matter at this point. It does not matter because, you know, it, like it matters. That's why I say it matters, but it doesn't matter. You know, we could go into that, but I'm not going to get into that conversation because I don't think people have the answers. It's okay for people to say, I don't know. But a lot of people won't say, I don't know, you know? Um, like I said, are people who are claiming to be Native Americans, Blacks, who claim to be Native Americans, are they from the Olmec stock? Or are they from much older than the Olmecs? And it's okay if people don't know. Like I said, it's okay if people don't know, you know? Um, yo. Out of the blue BMX said, be prepared for this dark winter. That's right. I was thinking about this on the way over. How, you know, this dark winter, um, Joe Biden was talking about that last time. And they didn't get their dark winter in 2020 to 2021. But they're going to want it this time around. And they... As much as they plan and plan, they're, they're rarely as successful as they want to be. Even 9-11, that shit was sloppy. That shit was sloppily executed. That shit. <sighs> and as sloppy as it was, it was tight enough to get the, the, the result that they wanted, which was compliance. They wanted their their um their homeland security department of homeland security a lot of our younger folks may not realize that homeland security did not exist before 9 11. they wanted their patriot act and the patriot act that's the shit that made it official like if you um have more than ten thousand dollars or if, if if you go to the bank and try to take out more than ten thousand dollars then you know they're gonna look at you for money laundering shit like that you know it it, it, 
put more scrutiny on the average citizen and you would see the corporations getting away with more fuckery you know it started it, it's it basically weaponized the government like officially weaponized the government against the people of the United States and really the people of the world under that they they <sighs> rounded up so many people so especially arabs you know especially muslims not even just arabs muslims rounded up so many muslims in this country i remember the movie the siege right with denzel washington bruce willis how they had all those muslims rounded up in the cages in new york city that's pretty much what they did in new york city except for they weren't in cages you didn't see them you just know that they were disappeared I've heard stories. I don't know if I could do it. I guess I'll just share this with y'all. Um, you hear stories about people that that were basically disappeared. And when they came back, they basically had to be given new identities. It's like, oops, our fault. Guess you weren't a terrorist. But because, you know, your name and your identity are fucked up, we got to give you a new identity that type of shit, you know? So, you know, there's a lot of predictive programming, but point being like that 9-11 shit was sloppy. It was sloppy. They barely held it together. The fucking melted, melted uh, support beams and all that shit, you know what I mean? Like, and I remember they came up with graphics and they were like in the plane that went into the Pentagon. I remember the little animations that they did for that and the fucking fuselage went through and the wings snapped off and the fuselage just went through and that's why there's a hole this fucking big. <laughs> like, you know, there's a picture, picture of picture of video of people walking out of the hole after a plane allegedly blew that shit up like i think it's a woman and her son she had brought her son to um to work that day at the pentagon something like that and you see her walking out of the hole which wasn't big enough for a plane to go through and you know there was little pieces in the fucking yard in front of the pentagon but they they don't ever explain that shit you know they, they say oh a plane went into it and just leave it at that don't ask any questions you know what i'm saying um in Pennsylvania, the fucking plane that went down in Pennsylvania, they told us, oh, and they valiantly over overcame the terrorist and then crashed the plane into the ground in Pennsylvania. Yo, was there a nigga on the plane? I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they wouldn't have let them crash that plane. Let there have been at least a couple black folks in that plane. Like, wait, you gonna do what? Oh no, I think they said they're gonna crash the plane. Like, nah, nigga, we got nah, we got the terrorists. <laughs> let me go up there and see what these motherfuckers talking about. <laughs> you don't wanna oh you wanna crash it now? Nah, let me get out of my way. Let me land it. You know, I saw the movie Airplane. Can't be that hard. I mean, I know I'm sure it's difficult, but still. Motherfucker, let me get to the airport. If anything, they shot that motherfucker down and told us some valiant took over the plane and crashed it. There's no fucking way 
and not just black. I'm sure, pretty sure there were plenty of people in their right mind who would not have let them crash the plane. It must have been one motherfucker who was ready to go out, but I don't even think so. Because when you saw the rubble, when when you saw the rubble in Pennsylvania, you were like, anybody with logical was like, there's no fucking way that's, that's where a plane landed. Like, where are the seats? Where are the bodies? Where are the people? Not to be, you know, gory or anything, but where was all that shit? Where was it at? It wasn't there. You know why? Because they're fucking lying to us. You know? So this is the type of shit. These are the questions that, you know, people like like me were asking in those days. I'm telling you, like the day that this shit happened, my fucking wheels were turning. I was 19 years old and I'm watching this play out. And I'm just like, something don't add up. Something don't add up. Um... Obviously, the when the when the when the buildings went down, so I was saying, "Yo, the um, what do you call it? That looked like demolitions." I've seen so many buildings, you know, like on the news and shit. You know, in the nineties, you see, oh, and this building's gonna be imploded, and you watch it on the news, and you see that shit go down. So okay, so when I saw it happen, I said, "Oh, there were bombs in the building." That's what it looked like to me. Then they were talking about melted steel beams. I said, "I don't know about that." I didn't like I didn't honestly think that the government did that. But the more lies I started to hear, I said, so maybe the government did that shit. And then I heard other people voicing the same thing because that was back in that day. You couldn't say that just like in that time, just like now where you can't where people can't question the government narrative because so many people are dying. I'm telling you, it's the same shit. It's the same shit. Where the you know, like the fog of war, that whole thing, the fog of war, where you can't you can't see what's going on until you step back after the fact, like, wow, we really let that happen? Wow, we really fell for that one? That's how it was after 9-11 and during 9-11. Everybody, George Bush drew that fucking line in the sand. He said, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. What? Because I know I'm not with George Bush, but I'm not with the terrorists either. Nigga. What you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that, that like Jones said, I never thought the World Trade Center wouldn't have a reinforcement bar specifically for the heat. Right, of course they would. You look at all the the building fires. Just And we have YouTube now. YouTube came around like two, 2005 or something like that, 2007. I think 2005. Now we can go back and we can look. Look at videos of buildings burning, buildings that have been hit by planes. And those motherfuckers will burn for 20 something hours. <laughs> and not collapse. Nothing. You know? So you got to ask the question what really happened? I know someone said that it was CGI. I got That's debatable. I go back and forth with that one because, um, again, from one of those, it was from Loose Change or it might have been one of, from one of the other videos that people were saying, uh, there's this one video where this lady said that was not a United Airlines. That was not a United Airlines. You know, you have one, one witness who says that it wasn't a passenger plane. It was a big gray plane, you know. 
Um, you, you got people saying that it wasn't, you know, it was a planes with no windows or window or planes with blacked out windows. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of theories on what really happened. It could be all that shit, you know? Okay, that like Jones saw that loose change, right? So there were people who were saying, I saw planes. Oh, and this is my thing, right? If it was CGI, if it was CGI, why wouldn't they just use, why wouldn't they just make a plane that looked like a fucking a United Airlines plane? Why would they do a CGI of a big gray plane? I'm just asking the questions, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to act like I know what it was. But these are the things, like, and, and this is, like, for me, this is why, like, I just like to ask questions, you know? I know what I heard. I know what I saw. I know what I heard people say they saw. Was the person who said there was a big gray plane, was he lying? I don't think he was lying about what he thought he saw. He saw a big gray plane. It didn't look like a United Airlines plane. There was a lady right after the, the plane struck. One of the planes struck. She said that was not a United Airlines. That was not a United Airlines. Who the fuck was she? She's happened to be caught on video. To me, she kind of had spook vibes too, which was weird. You know, I feel like she knew a little something, but that's just, you couldn't tell from, you know, 10 seconds of video. But Someone just happened to be filming and caught what happened, and the lady was like, "That was not a uh, that was not a passenger plane." So what was it? You know what I mean? So this is why I say there could have been CGI. I don't know. I've seen the videos where it looks very much like CGI, but I'm not gonna. I can't say that it was CGI. You know what I mean? So it's not to say it's not to say that it wasn't. Okay, someone says those were all actors. They could have been actors. They might not have been actors. You know what I mean? Because why would they gen why would they then say, why would they have those actors say that it wasn't uh, a military plane? Or excuse me, that it wasn't a passenger plane. Again, I'm just asking the questions. You could be completely right, and those were actors and they want to mislead people to thinking that they were planes. It was actually Project Blue Breed. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'll take it, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But the point being, we're here now. Yeah, I saw the George Bush shit where the children were chanting. I saw that. I posted that one last year. You know? Um, yo, Fedco said some shit, right? So Fedco said they landed the Pennsylvania plane at an airport and killed the occupants, then shot a missile at this missile at the ground and said it was a plane. Yo. You know, it's funny because I heard about the plane being landed at uh, the Pennsylvania plane being landed. I heard about a few of those planes being landed. I didn't hear about the passengers being killed. I heard that they were ushered off the plane and possibly imprisoned. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were killed, too. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they were in prison as well, because what's better than having a bunch of fresh bodies that are supposed to be dead. They could do whatever the fuck they want with those people, you know? Um, what was the situation? There was a situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It was one of these people. It might have been one of these guys who was beheaded by the Taliban or something like that. Can't remember what it was. I got to go back. Maybe I'll remember. But the guy's 
father said that after his son was dead, he got a call from like a federal prison or some shit like that. And it was his son saying he was alive, you know? So there's this whole thing with the snatching grabs where people, you know, it's, and it kind of ties in with the gang stalking thing too, because I feel like you got the gang stalking and you got the snatch and grab thing where, you know, that there are people or there's parts of the government, maybe the world government who are snatching, grabbing people. But then somehow those people are maybe probably allowed to contact family members or maybe allowed to contact a family member through a proxy. And then it just raises more questions. And if at the very least, it's creepy. It's not the first time I heard about stuff like that, you know? And it keeps coming up. There's like this shit like that. And I feel like when those things happen too, it's, it's part of it is to creep people out because the information comes out to the public and it comes out to channels and people like us talk about it because the mainstream motherfuckers don't talk about that thing really. But people like us talk about it and it creeps out people like us. You know? Um... Yeah, I've seen, yeah, man, I'm telling you, like, I've seen so much shit over the years. Uh, yep, yeah, we talked about the passports, you know. Um, how is it that you had these fires with molten steel? That shit was like molten steel for days. Li- liquid steel just running and flowing. They said, yo, people, I remember the accounts from... The people working down there were saying it was like hell, you know what I'm saying? Like lava, molten steel just running around for days. How the fuck does that happen, you know? But then the passports, the terrorist passports were found. (laughs) Niggas were like, oh, we found them. We knew it. Bomb Afghanistan, bomb Iraq. I'm saying like it's not that difficult. Once people are given the stimulus, you know, the problem, reaction, solution. The problem is someone blew up the Twin Towers and attacked the Pentagon. The reaction is the outrage from the people. You know, we did the whole peace and love thing for about 28 hours. Then it was time for some blood. Motherfuckers wanted blood. We got to bomb a village. With children and women and one terrorist, they shouldn't have been hanging around with that motherfucker. That's how, that's the direction America went. When we invaded Afghanistan, I was like, I understand it. We could probably send in some tactical teams to deal with motherfuckers, but I understand it. But then when now George Bush was feeling himself, he said, we're going to go to Iraq. He said, what? You about to start a war with Iraq? You sure you want to do that? And and he did it. And I remember, and that's the first protest I went to was to protest the U.S. invading Iraq. That's the first fucking protest I went to. And I was down in Virginia, you know, heavy military area. That's like one of the largest military areas in the world, definitely in this country, possibly the world. Langley, Virginia, you got fucking Norfolk, Newport News, 
Langley, CIA, FBI, everybody's down there. That's where I was at. That's where I got my fucking training in that shit show. That's where, you know, I was doing it in that type of environment, which was crazy in itself. Um, I learned a lot in a short amount of time. <laughs> what? Let the bodies hit the floor. Song was taken off the airwaves at the time. Then their lead singer choked on his own vomit, allegedly. That sounds familiar. I don't remember, but that sounds really familiar. Um, Out of the Blue said, mysterious deaths yet again, like the holistic doctors on the East Coast. Oh, yeah, man. It was a lot of shit, you know. Someone was just talking about those holistic doctors today. <sighs> yeah, um, I'm just going through these comments right now. You know, y'all got a lot of good comments over there. Oh, you said the Dom Mr. T was there after after it hit the ground. There was a rare video on it as well. Yeah, because he knew because he was over there talking to people. Um, oh, shit. You was in the military out of the blue. We were over there right in the same area, man. I was down there. Yeah, except for I wasn't in the military. I was going to school down there. But, yep, I was in that area at that time. Um... But, yeah, I was, you know, that's when I started. That's when I became political, you know, around that time period because that was something that I believed in. I was like, motherfucker, like, we cannot go into war right now. We can't, you're going to have just in two wars right now. I had friends in the military. I had family in the military, you know. And, I, I like I said, I could understand, I could understand Afghanistan because we were told that's where bin Laden was, that's where al-Qaeda was and all that shit. But then Iraq like, you know, damn well, Iraq had nothing to do with that attack. But we still went in there. It was a shit show. It was a quagmire for how many years, you know? And the rest is history. Now, <clears throat> came across some really interesting articles because I wanted to go back to the dancing Israelis and all that, you know? We know about the dancing Israelis. If you don't know about the dancing Israelis, you should definitely check that out. Um, you said the black CDC doctor whistleblower who mysteriously drowned in a lake. What? When was this? Um, so I went to WikiLeaks. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but it's very interesting. This is from an email, 2011 <clears> 5 that's the time. The headline, analytical and intelligence comments, Mossad ran 911 Arab hijacker terrorist operation. This is from WikiLeaks now. <clears throat> the thing with WikiLeaks, there are so many jewels just scattered in it, and we we don't even know the half, like, and this is why Assange, they wanted to lock his ass, you know, under the jail because the type of information that was released to the public. Yo. So this is from the Stratford. Headline, Mossad ran 9-11 Arab hijacked a terrorist operation by Wayne Madsen. <clears throat> 
British intelligence reported in February 2002 that Israeli Mossad ran the Arab hijacker cells that were later blamed by the U.S. government's 911 commission for carrying out the aerial attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon. WMR has received details of the British intelligence report, which was suppressed by the government of then Prime Minister Tony Blair. A Mossad unit consisting of six Egyptian and Yemeni-born Jews infiltrated quote-unquote al-Qaeda cells in Hamburg, the Atamamun Darkhanzel cell, South Florida and Sharjah and the United Arab Emirates in the months before 9-11. The Mossad not only infiltrated cells but began to run them and give them specific orders that would eventually culminate in their being on board four regularly scheduled flights or originating in Boston, Washington, Dulles, and Newark, New Jersey on 9-11. The Mossad infiltration team comprised six, comprised six Israelis, comprising two cells of three agents who all received special training at a Mossad basin in the Negev Desert in their future control and handling of the quote-unquote Al-Qaeda cells. See, they put that shit in quotes back in 2002 because Al-Qaeda wasn't even an organization. It never was. Al-Qaeda is the database of the fucking terrorists that the U.S. created who they could tap for clandestine operations and asymmetrical operations. Look up Operation Gladio. That's why in this, in my opinion, in this, you keep seeing Al-Qaeda in quotes because it was never an organization. One Mossad cell traveled to Amsterdam where they submitted to the operational control of the Mossad's Europe station, which operates from the El Al complex at Schiphol International Airport. Oh, shit. The three-man Mossad unit then traveled to Hamburg where it made contact with Mohammed Atta, who believed they were sent by Osama bin Laden. In fact, they were sent by Ephraim Halevi, the chief of Mossad. God damn, they dropping names and shit in there. The second three-man Mossad team flew to New York and then to southern Florida, where they began to direct the quote-unquote Al-Qaeda cells operating from Hollywood, Miami, Vero Beach, Delray Beach, and West Palm Beach. Israeli quote-unquote art students already under investigation by the Drug Enforcement Administration casing the offices and homes of federal law enforcement officers had been living among and conducting surveillance of the activities, including flight school training of the future Arab quote-unquote hijacker cells, particularly in Hollywood and Vero Beach. Um, Just watch, because I'm going to drop some shit in this right here. Might be in this one or another article. Huh. In August 2001, the first Mossad team flew with Atta and other Hamburg quote-unquote al-Qaeda members to Boston. Logan International Airport security was contacted by Huntley USA, a firm owned by an Israeli airport security firm closely connected to Mossad, International Consultants on Targeted Security, ICTS. ICTS's owners were politically connected to the Likud party, particularly the Netanyahu faction and then Jerusalem mayor and future prime minister Ehud Olmert. It was Olmert who personally interceded with New York Mayor 
Rudolph Giuliani to have released from prison five urban moving systems employees identified by the CIA and FBI agents as Mossad agents. The Israelis were the only suspects arrested anywhere in the United States on 9-11 who were thought to have been involved in the 9-1-1 attacks. God damn, this is damning information. They're just dropping all kind of names and we're over here just spilling this shit on On The Wake Up Radio. <sighs> Gone too far at this point, folks. The two Mossad teams sent regular code of reports on the progress of the 911 operation to Tel Aviv via the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. God damn. WMR has learned from a Pentagon source that leading Americans tied to the media effort to pin 911 and Arab hijackers, Osama bin Laden and the Taliban, were present, present in the Israeli embassy on September 10, 2001, to coordinate their media blitz for the subsequent days and weeks following the attacks. It is more than likely that FBI counterintelligence agents who conduct surveillance on the Israeli embassy have proof on the presence of the Americans present at the embassy on September 10. Some of the Americans are well known to U.S. cable news television audiences. So they were concocting these stories before the day before the attack. You know what else happened on that the day before the attack? The Secretary of Defense. Defense was a state. Donald Rumsfeld gave a speech, gave a talk about how the Pentagon bureaucracy was getting in the way and how they had lost $2.3 trillion. This is back in, this is 2001 money, okay? $2.3 billion or trillion? $2.3 billion. I think it was billion dollars. Or was it trillion? They lost a lot of fucking money. That's all I know. I think it was $2.3 billion. Might have been trillion. It might have been $2.3 trillion. I think they were that sloppy. Hold on. Um, $2.3 trillion. Oh, yeah. $2.3 trillion in 2001. You know how much money that is? Shit. That's a lot of money. So, yeah, $2.3 trillion they lost. Rumsfeld gave the speech before that. He said that they were going to audit the Pentagon and see where that money went. He set up, he set up his auditors in the, in the wing of the Pentagon, which was being renovated and reinforced. And on September 11th, a fucking plane smacked into the area where the auditors were ordered. They got killed. That ended that audit. All that fucking paperwork, I'm sure it was destroyed. In mid-August, the Mossad team running the Hamburg cell in Boston reported to Tel Aviv that the final plans for 9-11 were set. The Florida-based Mossad cell reported that the documented quote-unquote presence of the Arab cell members at Florida flight schools had been established. And this just goes on and on and on. This is so damning. Now, look at this, because this is a familiar name. The lack of a paper trail pointing to quote-unquote al-Qaeda as the masterminds on 911, which could then be linked to al-Qaeda's Mossad handlers, threw off the FBI. On April 19, 2002, FBI Director Robert Mueller, in a speech to San Francisco's Commonwealth Club, stated, quote, 
In our investigation, we have not uncovered a single piece of paper, either here in the United States or in the treasure trove of information that has turned up in Afghanistan and elsewhere that mentioned any aspect of the September 11th plot. End quote. Yeah, the the um, September 10th at 2.3 trillion dollars. The September 10th, Rumsfeld announced the 2.3 trillion dollars that was missing from the Pentagon. That audit was supposed to begin in the Pentagon, and from what I understand, those auditors were blown up conveniently on September 11th. Yo, this is a damning article. This is in WikiLeaks. I suggest y'all look it up. <clears throat> it's long. It's like six pages long, something like that. It's called Mossad ran 911 Arab hijacker terrorist operation. It's a good one. But wait, there's more. This one, now this one, now out of the blue, you're you're gonna appreciate this. If you haven't heard about this one already, you're definitely gonna appreciate this one. Because anyone <clears throat> who was old enough in 2001 and even before and after that knows about this phenomenon right here. <clears throat> Let me get some water for this. Let me clear my throat. <clears throat> Headline, this is from Wiki, WikiLeaks again. Mossad still stalking malls near U.S. military bases. Out of the blue. Holla at your boy. It begins. Are all military personnel required to report foreign contacts? Ben West wrote, what's with the cosmetics, though? Seems like if you're trying to attract naval officers, mostly men, you go into something more manly. Although, this is the Navy. Fred Burton wrote, Also feasible that the shooter was a double working for the ragheads and izzies. A few Israeli IOs have been set up that way. The kiosk MO was interesting. No different than falafel stands used in NYC or Cairo for ops. Sent via Blackberry. Subject re CT Mossad still stalking malls near U.S. military bases. The Israelis that were shot at in the mall in Denmark earlier this year worked for the same company selling cosmetic products at a mall. Kiosk. The guys who shot at them were Palestinians. I wonder if they knew more about their targets. Oh, thank you, Fedco. Sent me that link. Thank you, bro. I'm going to check that out. Hmm. Is by Wayne Madison. Madison. Peep this. June 19, 2009, folks. <clears throat> WMR. Cells of young Israeli intelligence operatives continue to openly solicit relationships with U.S. military personnel from shopping mall kiosks, according to an informed source. WMR has learned that one such kiosk operates at the MacArthur Center Mall in Norfolk, Virginia, where a number of U.S. Navy personnel from the nearby naval bases are regularly confronted by aggressive young Israelis selling Dead Sea cosmetic products who inquire about where the personnel are stationed and the nature of their jobs. 
Young Israeli women working at the kiosk also appear to want to strike up a closer relationship with some of the naval personnel. Out of the blue BMA, tell me you remember these. Tell me you remember these. Somebody tell me y'all remember these, these kiosks, yo. <laughs> you remember them, right? The use of young Israelis, many of whom continue to serve in a reserve status with the Israeli Defense Force as intelligence agents, has changed somewhat over the past decade. Young Israeli quote-unquote art students first conducted unsolicited visits to the homes and offices of federal and military employees trying to sell cheap Chinese-made bogus Israeli artwork while casing neighborhoods and office buildings. Israeli-operated mall kiosks have transitioned from selling toys to cosmetics. You remember that shit? I'm telling y'all, man. <laughs> they would be in there in the malls with the toys, and they started coming. Yo, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling. I know. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it, man. Out of the blue beam, I knew it. I knew you would remember the shit, especially since you were in that area at the time. This was going on. Like, I remember these people. I know a lot of y'all, if you're old enough, you remember these people with the kiosk in the malls. Now you got something to, you know, the pieces are coming together, yes. They sell, and they used to sell toys, but then they went to selling, you know, Dead Sea stall skin products. I remember this shorty came up to me, she, you know, rubbing the shit in my skin, oh, and you love this, and uh, your hands feel soft, right? Yeah, they feel all right. I remember, you know. Where are you from? I'm from Israel. Really? This is back before I knew shit. I ain't no shit back then. <laughs> but I remember having some shit rubbed into my hand, some sea salt. On August 7, 2005, WMR report, reported in November 2001, the INS arrested several Israelis, including some with military backgrounds, selling puzzle car and Zoom copters. <laughs> you said that shit. Out of the blue said flying lit up drones with the kiosk and so much more. This is what out of the blue BMX said. Flying lit up drones with the kiosk and so much more. Peep game. This is what the article says. On August 7, 2005, WMR reported in November 2001, the INS arrested several Israelis, including some with military backgrounds, selling puzzle car and Zoom copter toys from shopping mall kiosks and vending carts. Many of the malls were located near U.S. government facilities, including the Pentagon and CIA. A majority of the Israelis arrested for visa violations instead of espionage worked for a Florida-based company called Quality Sales. Spokesmen for the company admitted the company hired vacationing Israeli students, but they had the wrong visas. Spokesmen also revealed the Israelis were deemed, quote-unquote, special interest cases by INS. A new government designation applied to terrorism suspects in the wake of 9-11. Federal authorities suspect the Israelis were using the kiosks as intelligence fronts in the same manner that Israelis were using door-to-door -door art sales as covers. The National Counterintelligence Center, NCIX, stated in a report issued on March 2001 that, quote, in the past six weeks, employees in federal office buildings located throughout the United States have reported suspicious activities connected with individuals representing themselves as foreign students selling or delivering artwork. Employees have observed both males and females attempting to bypass facility security 
and, and enter federal buildings, end quote. The report was temporarily removed from NCIX. Yo, yo, y'all, this, we're doing this shit in real time, folks. If you are listening right now, if you are tuning in right now, we are doing this shit in real time. This information has been out there. <clears throat> and this is why it's important to have these conversations because then we can start to put pieces together, you know? Because you remember, and this is one thing I was thinking about earlier too, right? With what, what we see going on right now with this pandemic, there's a bunch of things happening. One, that you see the elders that are being taken out in these old age homes, right? So that's a whole generation. That's like World War II generation who's being completely wiped off the face of the earth. World War II, Vietnam generation even, being wiped out, being taken out. These are the people... Oh, I got your number, bro. Uh, maybe, maybe you need. I need to give it, get it again, unless you change your number. But, um, so the the older generation is being taken out right now. World War Two generation. But another thing we got going on is, um, they want to erase the memory. They want to erase people's memory. They want to erase our memories or the collective memory. As long as people like us are here, we remember the past. You know, 20 years ago, that's history to a lot of people. But we remember it. And as long as we remember it, we can put the pieces together. And this is why we have to have these conversations and educate the people around us on certain things. Like when something comes up, just like as I'm reading this article, I bet you so many people can now think back, oh, damn, I remember the fucking kiosk. Out of the blue said it with the little fucking helicopter drone things that they were flying around. Hey, you want to come look at this? You want to come fly it? However they were flying it. Y'all remember this shit. Turns out that those were those were spies. Those were people who were here for a nefarious plot. And then we had 9-11. Okay. So one of the malls where the Israeli toy sellers based their operations was the Pentagon City Mall just across Interstate 395 from the Pentagon. In July 2004, the mall served as the rendezvous point for alleged Israeli Pentagon spy Larry Franklin and Keith Wiseman, an APAC official. Franklin warned Wiseman that Iranian agents were going to start attacking American soldiers and Israeli agents in Iraq. Wiseman then went to brief the account of the meeting to Steve Rosen, another senior APAC official. They both informed the Israeli embassy in Washington and Glenn Kessler, a reporter for the Washington Post. Those phone calls were being wiretapped by the FBI as part of its investigation of a major Israeli spy ring in the United States, an investigation that had been going on since before the 9-11 attacks. The FBI was also monitoring meetings between Franklin, Wiseman, and Rosen, including one held in February 2003 at the Arlington, Virginia, Ritz-Carlton Hotel, which adjoins the Pentagon City Mall. You know? Oh yeah, this this um this thing definitely still exists today, I believe, you know. And it's one of those things where 
we know this is going on and we we just need to be able to look at this uh we just need to be able to look at what we're experiencing now with fresh eyes you know oh man out of the blue said in jacksonville florida they were heavy with that piecing things together in this now moment exactly you know that's what we do and and, and this is um this is how we work together to do this because no one of us is greater than the all of us. I'm just here talking. I'm just on this, you know, on this radio broadcasting. But this is a whole collective effort that's going on right now, right? Because as we piece this stuff together, we're going to go out and now look at things a little bit differently, you know? Look at the okie dokes before they come. And that's why part of, you know, part of the title is um the ball is in our court they told us the plans they told us what they want to do told us about the pandemic thing you know what do we do about it at this point out of the blue says in dubai uae the same thing like what you're mentioning really okay so dubai uae anybody who's tuning in from there you know move accordingly you got these people in your country what are they planning over there? A, bit, a big thing with Israel and what they do is is intelligence gathering. They just they gather information. And another thing, and I know I mentioned this in a in a previous show a few weeks ago, is how these people they um so they as the article is saying they were you know trying to court. U.S. intelligence and military officials, and in doing that, they were basically exposing themselves, right? Trying to do the honey honey pot sex trap, right? Well, plenty of them were exposed, but how many of them were not exposed? How many of them actually were able to compromise military and intelligence officials? You think all of them got caught? I doubt it. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Those are the ones that we have to worry about. You know, this 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 article again, this one is four pages. Um and I'm not gonna read everything about this, but very interesting. Again, this is from WikiLeaks. Hmm. Okay, Dubai, thank you for that. This is from WikiLeaks. The headline is Mossad still stalking malls near U.S. military bases. All I did was type in Israeli art students, and these are the three articles that came up, the three emails that came up on, on WikiLeaks. Now, you have to understand that there's certain articles that are on there that they reference them in the actual cables, but when you go to look up the articles, they're no longer available on the internet. They've been wiped from the internet. This is one such article. This is from Haretz.com. March 23rd, 2004. Odigo Sebai Yuval Dror, 
Y-U-V-A-L, Dror, D-R-O-R, what a hell of a name, Haaretz, that's an Israeli newspaper or magazine, I think it's an Israeli newspaper. Odigo says workers were warned of attack, that's the headline. Odigo, the instant messaging service, excuse me, let me start that again. Odigo, the instant messaging service, says that two of its workers received messages two hours before the Twin Towers attack on September 11th, predicting the attack would happen and the company has been cooperating with Israeli and American law enforcement, including the FBI, in trying to find the original sender of the message predicting the attack. Micah McCover, CEO of the company, said the two workers received the messages and immediately after the terror attack informed the company's management, which it immediately contacted the Israeli security services, which brought in the FBI. Quote, I have no idea why the message was sent to these two workers who don't know the sender. It may just have been someone who was joking and turned out they accidentally got it right. And I don't know if our information was useful in any of the arrests the FBI has made, end quote, said Mike Makeover. Odigo is a U.S.-based company whose headquarters are in New York with offices in Herzliya. <clears throat> As an instant messaging service, Odigo users are not limited to sending messages only to people on their quote-unquote buddy list, as is the case with ICQ, the other well-known Israeli instant messaging application. Odigo usually zealously protects the privacy of its registered users, said Makeover. But in this case, the company took the initiative to provide the law enforcement services with the originating Internet presence address of the message. So the FBI could track down the Internet service provider and the actual sender of the original message. So some Israelis in New York did receive a message. Two people received messages saying that there was going to be an attack on September 11th. We heard about this again. This is one of those things we heard about. <clears throat> but then when you went to look it up, couldn't really find too much information about it. And the article that was actually written about it was wiped off of the Internet at this point. At this point, if you look that up, you get a 404 error. So you have to find ways to, you know, maneuver around that, go to the archives and pull up that article. That's how I found it. Because when you go to when I go to put that headline in when i go to put that that ip address excuse me that website into my search engine it says 404 error or something along those lines all right <clears throat> then there's the article from salon.com may 7 2002 <clears throat> headline the israeli art student mystery for almost two years, hundreds of young Israelis falsely claiming to be art students haunted federal offices, in particular the DEA. No one knows why and no one seems to want to find out. <clears throat> so you remember the previous article that we were reading from WikiLeaks, which was talking about this. This goes into more depth about who those art students were. And this is one of those things. Um, part of this article is cut off. But it says, strangest of all, the students had visited the homes of numerous DEA officers and other senior officials, federal officials. As a pattern slowly emerged, the DEA appeared to have been targeting what could own what it called an, quote, 
organized intelligence gathering activity, end quote. But to what, at what end and for whom, no one knew. Reports of the mysterious Israelis with an inexplicable, inexplicable interest in peddling art to G-men came in from more than 40 U.S. cities and continued throughout the first six months of 2001. Agents of the DEA, ATF, Air Force, Secret Service, FBI, and U.S. Marshal Service documented some 130 separate incidents of quote-unquote art student encounters. Some of the Israelis were observed diagramming the inside of federal buildings. Some were found carrying photographs they had taken of federal agents. Fucking agents. One was discovered with a computer printout in his luggage that referred to quote-unquote DEA groups. In some cases, the Israelis visited locations not known to the public, areas without street addresses, for example, or DEA offices not identified as such, leading authorities to suspect that information had been gathered from prior surveillance or perhaps electronically from credit cards and other sources. One Israeli was discovered holding <coughs> excuse me, banking receipts for substantial sums of money, close to $180,000 in withdrawals and deposits over a two-month period. A number of the Israelis resided for a period of time in Hollywood, Florida, the small city where Mohammed Atta and three terrorist comrades lived for a time before September 11th. So you see how you have to read information from different sources to kind of piece it together. In March 2001, the Office of the National Counterintelligence Executive, NCIX, a branch of the CIA, issued a heads up to federal employees about, quote, suspicious visitors to federal facilities, end quote. The warning noted that, quote, employees have observed both male and females attempting to bypass facility security and enter federal buildings, end quote. Federal agents, the warning stated, had, quote, arrested two of these individuals for trespassing and discovered that the suspects possessed counterfeit work visas and green cards, end quote. Yeah, this is, um, yeah. I hope this, you know, I hope this hits home for a lot of people because this was going on in the backdrop of the whole 9-11 thing. And I know people, you know, I I, I didn't want to just make this a regular 9-11 show, you know, but I, I want people to understand what was going on around that time, too, because this is the 20th anniversary. We still don't have a lot of answers. And, you know, the. You're gonna, people are going to hear this stuff and hopefully be able to make sense of some of what they are hearing and what they've experienced and hopefully kind of put the bigger picture together. You know what I mean? In the wake of the NCIX bulletin, federal officials raised several other red flags, including an Air Force alert, a federal protective... What? Federal Protective Services Alert, an Office of National Drug Control Policy Security Alert, and request that the Immigration and Naturalization Service investigate a specific case. Officials began dealing more aggressively with the art students, quote-unquote art students. According to one account, some 140 Israeli nationals were detained or arrested between March 2001 and September 11, 2001. So 140 Israelis were arrested in that time period. Many of them were deported. According to the INS, the deportations resulted from violations of student visas that forbade the Israelis from working in the United States. 
in fact. Salon has established that none of the Israelis were enrolled in the art school. Most of them claim to be attending. The other college they claim to be enrolled in does not exist. After the September 11th attacks, many more young Israelis, 60, according to one AP dispatch and other reports, were detained and deported. Now, I'm going to pause for a second. One thing that we're hearing right now in the media is how... In light of where we're at, you know, 20 years since the attacks on September 11th, how citizens, American citizens still are, are trying to hold the uh, Saudi government responsible for the attacks because, you know, um, lawsuit came out years ago that basically pointed the finger to the Saudi royal family, Saudi government, etc. Because they, you know, they, they basically followed the money trail, followed the paper trail and the money to a lot of prominent Saudis. The thing is, if the Saudis did it, then Israel and Mossad definitely knew about it because they spy on each other. That's what they do. And in all that, nobody warned the U.S. Peace, peace. How you doing? Peace. We see you. I see you. In all that, nobody warned the U.S. that this was going on. So that's one of those things, folks. You know, and so that's being played up in the media right now, you know, Saudi Arabia. But one thing that we will not see played up in the media is the information that I'm dropping right here. All the stuff talking about Israel, all the stuff that's in WikiLeaks talking about Israel. We won't see that come up in the media for obvious reasons. Because... The more, I mean, you see what it is. The more we, you know, I read through these documents, the more damning it is that these people, people like this are probably still operating in this country right now. And once you start to see the hallmarks, like they're talking about the uh, the kiosks <laughs> selling Dead Sea products. Like what's the new hustle, you know? And you can even start to paint a greater picture of the surveillance apparatus that they're creating because, I mean, I know I saw those play. I know I saw some of them, some of those kiosks in places where I didn't think that there was any military. So maybe there was military, maybe there was intelligence very close to it. You know? Um, I'm not going to read much more of this article right here. But, again, this one is fascinating too. This is from Salon.com. If you can find it, I definitely recommend. I mean, this is like, you can make a movie out of this shit, really. Um, yeah, it's, this is really spy ring. You know, that was... Uh, 
haunting the DEA and, and U.S. Uh, intelligence agencies. The the honey trap, honey honey trap, sex traps, <laughs> the honey pot sex traps. You know, and then these people being arrested, detained, and deported instead of their asses getting locked up. You know, very interesting stuff. You know, so just to wrap up that whole point, what we're seeing right now with this pandemic, this is part of an ongoing trend, you know, of distraction where we're we're trying to get answers on these politicians and celebrities and billionaires and media moguls who are involved in the trafficking, sex trafficking of children especially, you know, children, women, boys, men. And it's not just sex trafficking. It's also uh, slavery, you know, just for labor. It's also organs and body parts. It's a lot of things. Game, I mean, you hear about some shit. I don't even know. Jenna Jameson was on her Twitter talking about some shit. You remember Jenna Jameson, the porn star? I think she was a porn star, right? Jenna Jameson. She was talking about, was it Jenna? I think it was Jenna was talking about they have hunting parties. She was like, Epstein ain't shit. Basically paraphrased. She was like, Epstein ain't shit. He's, he's small time compared to what they have. They have hunting parties where they bring people over there and hunt them. I believe it. I saw the movie The Pest. I believe that shit. Y'all remember the movie The Pest? Or the other one with, um, who they have? I think Ice-T Ice was in the movie where they were hunting him. I could be wrong. I think Mario Van Peebles was in the movie where they were hunting him. You know? So it's not, and he was homeless and they started hunting him. So I, it's not that far-fetched for me. But all that information was coming out and then the pandemic struck. And now we're sitting here waiting to, July, we got to wait till July, no, excuse me, November 24th for Jelaine Maxwell's trial to, to you know, like what fuckery is going to happen? Oh, the purge too? Okay, right, the purge. Like, what fuckery is going to happen in between now and November 24th to prevent us from hearing the names of these people, these fucking politicians who are involved in all this, this nefarious activity? This is right, right now, and you see how they're trying to lock us down. There's so much going on, so many moving parts that it's difficult for people to to keep their mind on one thing. And this is why we got to have, you know, different people looking into different things, kind of staying on different topics. We can't all just revolve around one thing. We can't all just focus on one thing. There's so much going on. And I think one of the big things we need to focus on is bringing people to court 
bringing people to justice. I use that word loosely, justice, because I don't know how much justice humans can actually bring to a situation. But these people should definitely be in court and it should be open. You know, you remember like you think about think about the OJ trial, right? They thought this nigga was going away for life. They thought we got him open and shut case. Let's just let's display this in front of the world every fucking day. You could have tuned into somewhere and basically seen the play by play, minute by minute of the OJ trial. Those are the type of hearings that we need to have. These tribunals, they should be publicized. They should, I'm talking, and it's not just the trafficking at this point. It should be the human rights violations in regard to this disease and to the shot. Because, I mean, the, the shot that people are being given right now, it violates the Nuremberg Code. Hold on, let me, I'm going to pull up the Nuremberg Code too. Where, where are we at? Nuremberg Code. Because I think might huh okay so the Nuremberg Code 1947 permissible permissible medical experiments and y'all tell me if what we're experiencing is in violation of the Nuremberg Code permissible medical experiments the great weight of the evidence before us to affect that certain types of medical experiments on human beings when kept within reasonably well-defined bounds conform to the ethics of the medical profession generally. The protagonists of the practice of human experimentation justify their views on the basis that such experiments yield results for the good of society that are unprocurable by other methods or means of study. All agree, however, that certain basic principles must be observed in order to satisfy moral, ethical, and legal concepts. One, number one, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent. Legal capacity to give consent. So if you're a child, right? It's probably not legal capacity, unless the rules change, where children can give consent, where children can give consent, where children can give consent. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force. Fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. This latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject, there should be made known to him the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected, and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment. The duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rests upon each individual who initiates 
directs or engages in the experiment. It is a personal duty and a responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity. Okay? Okay? All right, so I'm just making sure we're all on the same page, all right? <clears throat> Fizza DK says, under European medical device regulations, you must have consent. These rules came into force in 2016, and children cannot give consent. That's right. Children cannot give consent, period, okay? But they're changing the consent rules for children. These children can consent to have this thing stuff put into their body. What else will they allow children to consent to? Number two, the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society, unprocurable by other methods or means of study, and not random and unnecessary in nature. Okay? So as I'm reading through these, I want you all to just take note and think about the, the legal grounds for which people could bring some of these folks to court, you know? When I say some of these people, you know, think about whoever is pushing these shots on the population right now. Um, even with the disease, with the with the disease that that is inflicted society right now. There's so many holes. It hasn't been isolated, as far as I know. It still hasn't been isolated. Being isolated means it's been taken from one person, uh, cultivated and then able to infect another body, whether an animal or a person, you know? Um, as far as I know, it's only been, a fragment of it has been found off of some lung tissue. The, uh, the missing pieces of the genome were filled in through AI, and that was accepted as what's infecting people. And then a shot was created based off of that model. So. We are literally at the mercy of artificial intelligence with this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Project Paperclip. Exactly. Just right. Yeah. The, the Nazis. You know what I'm saying? The Nazi scientists. All these Nazi scientists were, uh, uh, or many of them were brought over to the United States, between the United States and Russia, and then put back to business. They weren't arrested. They were brought over to work. NASA and all that shit. Plum Island and all that shit. Okay. Number three, the experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and the knowledge of the natural history of the disease or other problem under study that the anticipated results justify the performance of the experiment. Was this shot tested on animals before it was put into humans? Many of you know the answer to that. How many, how many points of the Nuremberg Code have been violated so far from what I'm reading? This is the Nuremberg Code I'm reading right here, okay? Number four, the experiment should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mentoring suffering and injury. Um... Is that the case? Yeah, they did cytotoxicity and basic studies, but from what I understand, 
they didn't do genotoxicity and they didn't do um, reprodoxicity, the, the reproductive toxicity that was left out of the study. Either they didn't do it or it wasn't put in. It wasn't submitted with the original studies that were done. Okay. Number five, no experiment should be conducted where there is an, in, in a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur, except perhaps in those experiments where the experimental physicians also serve as subjects. Were the physicians? Thank you. Physicists said they don't test genetics in clinical trials. Thank you for that. Um, I doubt the physicians serve as test subjects, but that's in here. Number five, no experiment should be conducted where there is an a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur, except perhaps in those experiments where the experimental physicians also serve as subjects. Well, I have to find this paper. It was mentioned by um, Dr. Brian Artis. He was talking about there were over over a hundred known diseases that would come from this shot. Yo, Fissa, I appreciate your input right now. Trust me, I'm listening. Um, Dr. Brian Artis talks about there's over a hundred diseases or injuries. He, I think he called them diseases that they knew would come from this shot, but for some reason they're not even put on the inserts. They're not put anywhere in relation to this shot. They, it's as if they don't exist. Number six, the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed the that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment. Number seven, proper preparations should be made and adequate facilities to provide to protect the experimental subject against even remote possibilities of injury, disability, or death. Right, physics says the AstraZeneca one, for example, causes more issues than Pfizer, right? Number eight, the experiment should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons. The highest degree of skill and care should be required through all stages of the experiment of those who conduct or engage in the experiment. Number nine, during the course of the experiment, the human subject should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end if he has reached a physical or mental state where continuation of the experiment seems to him to be impossible. Uh, I mean... <clears throat> I'm, I'm coming across a lot of people with buyer's remorse when it comes to this shot. People who wish they didn't take it. They wish they hadn't have taken it. Is that, is that even proper English? They wish they didn't take it. But they can't take it back now. They have, you know, whether it's the, the mental injury, the uh, injury to their bodies, the pain that they're feeling, you know, you have some people that have the tremors, some people that have permanent vascular damage. 
out of the blue says from Bonin to Corona, we got you covered. Pfizer, the largest lawsuit of all time is Pfizer. Huh. Fizzer says the question is that does Nuremberg rules apply to emergency use? I think, I don't know, but I think Nuremberg is like the blanket over all of that. I could be wrong, but I believe when it comes to actually bringing, bringing this to court, I, don't, I, I wouldn't know where, what court this would go to, but there are lawyers, international lawyers who are working on it. But one thing is... The, you said does the emergency use I, I think that Nuremberg would trump emergency use I don't know but it's worth a shot that's the way I look at it I don't know I'm not a lawyer I wish I could speak more on it and this is why we have to have met you know professionals who are versed in this because I listen to people like um Damn, I can't remember this guy's name now. There's a few people who are on it, people who are used to prosecuting these type of cases or at least dealing with these type of cases in court, like medical fraud and liability. And Oh, man, what's the guy's name? I want to say Ross, David Ross. I can't remember this guy's name, but he's a beast and he's on it right now. And the way that they talk about it is as if, they already have the information and they just need to bring it to court and start, you know, dragging some people through the mud. Fedco says, I heard a doctor say experiments on mice resulted in death in about a week, death in monkeys in six months, and assuming death in humans in one to two years. Damn. That might be from that... um antibody dependent enhancement that antibody dependent enhancement that might be what that is um the ade for anyone who doesn't know that's when and it happens with especially with coronavirus vaccines in the past where they give the shot to the animal it happened with ferrets and cats they gave the animal the shot animal was good but then once the animal is re-exposed to the pathogen, their body basically attacks itself. Antibody-dependent enhancement. It's almost like an autoimmune type of thing. Hmm. So physicist says something interesting. Medically and statistically, the argument would have to be focused on emergency use. And because Pfizer is approved by FDA in USA, a case against them would be run against FDA too. So, and see, there's a thing because Pfizer also, oh shit. Wow. So Pfizer is the one that was actually approved 
in the USA. So they're no longer under emergency use, but peep game because Pfizer, I wish I had this, um, I don't have it right now, actual documents, but Pfizer, <laughs> wow, thank you, Fizza. Yo, this is why I love y'all. This is why I love y'all, because we put pieces together, together. So Pfizer just recently got the actual FDA approval, right? Pfizer also has contracts with different countries that says that they will not be held liable for injury, that that um, if people sue them, basically if people sue Pfizer, I know they did this in certain South American countries, countries all across the world. If people do get injured and try to sue Pfizer, Pfizer basically has like part, I don't even know what, like they were talking about getting military, military bases as collateral in case they are sued, like crazy shit. Like, okay, I'm Pfizer. If one of your people gets injured by my product and they sue me, you are going to give me a military base which I will use as collateral to pay off your, your people. Like some crazy shit like that. Some crazy shit. They have these deals. They have these contracts that they're signing with these countries. So it makes sense now that Pfizer is the one that was approved. I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if other pharmaceutical companies have this type of contract, but Pfizer is the only one that I've heard about. Um, Fizzer said the issue is the contraindications and reactions are constantly updated as information is received. So under emergency use, these companies are covered against lawsuits as approval is based on the idea that use will have unknown risks. Oh, shit. Which government accepts on behalf of the people. Wow. This. Yo, no, nah, this is good information because. Again, and this is what we talk about on here. Listen, yeah, I don't have all the answers. I don't I don't feel like I have very few answers, but I feel like this dialogue is how we all kind of figure out how to maneuver through this because if if this information can be brought to the right people who actually have the right type of influence, then we can get some wins, you know? This um I live in New York City, so this is a beta test state for what's coming to the rest of the country. Look at what they're doing in Australia right now. They have their quarantine camps. They have their quarantine centers. They have people who are in these places right now. You know, um, we heard about the quarantine centers being um, constructed in Canada. You know, I spoke with someone the other day who had to who, who was in Korea and had to quarantine in Korea and you know just the the mental trauma that this person went through is fucked up you know and I can only imagine what people are going through all across this world being away from family yes they can communicate with family members they're not locked in there but if they try to leave you know they're uh they get locked up. 
this type of oppressive situation is coming fast to the United States. And this is like the last outpost, like literally the last outpost of freedom. People in the U.S. still have their firearms. They can still fight back, but you, you can't be docile in the situation. And you have to be proactive about your liberation because they're coming fast, you know. Again, they, they want our backs to the wall because their backs are to the wall. These are the same people that were piling around with Jeffrey Epstein, okay? Like, these motherfuckers should be under the jail right now as we speak. But they are on borrowed time because they threw this pandemic shit at us. Oh, yeah, Fizza said there are likely to be lockdowns again over winter due to norovirus. Oh, you did the norovirus and COVID peaking during this time. Mental well-being is definitely a global struggle during this time. Stay safe. Thank you. Stay safe, too, because it's real out here. You know, and, and it's wild because you see how last year, what happened to the flu? What happened to influenza? How many influenza deaths were there last year? This is what people need to look at if they want to, you know. Look, how many influenza deaths were in 2019? How many influenza deaths were in 2020? Were there any influenza deaths in 2020? You know, that's that's the type of questions people need to ask. And again, a lot of this information is just so that you can have conversations with people who may be skeptical and who may not be educated about some of this stuff. You know? Um, number nine in the Nuremberg Code. During the course of the experiment, the human subject should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end if he has reached his physical or mental state. Okay, number 10 in the Nuremberg Code. During the course of the experiment, the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage if he has probable cause to believe in the exercise of the good faith, superior skill, and careful judgment required of him that a continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury, disability, or death to the experimental subject. Everybody who has received one of these shots is an experimental subject. Period. Because we still don't know the long-term impacts. We still don't know the reproductive impacts of this. We are learning about this every day. So if they don't know everything about this or if they don't know most things about this, then in my assessment it's still an experiment you know it's just something for people to think about right there we're about getting wins here on on the wake up radio okay um hey fizka thank fizza thank you for tuning in definitely um you know stay in touch stay in touch we, we need as many uh you know, we need as many people out here who who know what they're talking about as possible. And we appreciate your your feedback. Um, enjoy your kickboxing. Fedco says exactly. The CDC doctor was killed because he was going to tell something about the flu shot. This was in Georgia. Oh shit. Out of the blue said, if you don't believe in spiritual warfare, get behind someone who does, regardless of religion, creed, 
race origin, etc. The war on human consciousness from cradle to grave. That's right. You know, um, Fedco. I'm gonna I'm read that article. So, this is from damn April fifth, twenty eighteen. This is from NPR.org. CDC epidemiologist found dead weeks after going missing, drowning suspected. I remember this. Timothy Cunningham, a 35-year-old epidemiologist at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, vanished after leaving work February 12th, complaining he felt unwell. Some seven weeks later, his decomposed body was spotted by fishermen in a rugged area along the banks of the, Atlant of the Atlanta area's Ch Chattahoochee River, according to officials. Quote, we have no indication of foul play, end quote. Major Michael O'Connor with the Atlanta Police Department said at a press conference Thursday, I remember the situation. Fulton County Medical Examiner Jan Gorniak said the cause of death is, quote unquote, probably drowning, but tests, including a toxicology screening, are still pending. Gorniak added that the condition of Cunningham's body is consistent with having been in the water since the day he went missing, that there were no signs of trauma or underlying medical conditions. This is the thing. When a body is in the water, the water is great for covering up a crime scene. Someone was just talking about that earlier, how so many people, so many of these natural doctors, medical experts, whistleblowers were found in the water, near the water, because water is, covers up crime scenes. Officials said Cunningham's body was recovered Tuesday evening. Since his disappearance, Cunningham's friends, family, and CDC co-workers had been questioned and a $10,000 reward offered. And this article just goes on. He was joggers wearing his favorite jogging shoes. Nobody knows how his body ended up in the water. Um... Oh, yes, right. On the morning he went missing, his supervisor at the CDC talked to him about why he had been passed over for a promotion, according to police. The CDC later issued a statement denying Cunningham did not receive a promotion and pointing out that he had been promoted to commander in the U.S. Public Health Service. But Atlanta police doubled down, issuing a statement saying it stood by what it said about Cunningham's employment that it had gotten the information from the CDC, reports the CD, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Said all his belongings, including wallet, keys, and passport, were found inside his Atlanta home. His CDC biography says he was a team lead with the Division of Population Health and had deployed for several public health emergencies, including Superstorm Standy, Ebola, and Zika. I could speculate about a lot of things just off of that. Sandy, we know Sandy, right? Besides it being, you know, partly geoengineered. Ebola, with Ebola. That's where um, they, they tried remdesivir in a trial. Remdesivir is the drug that's killing people right now in the hospitals, allegedly, right? Remdesivir. But that was brought out in the Ebola trial. They were trying to see if that could be used to treat Ebola, the remdesivir. Remdesivir was found to kill 
like 23% of the people, something like that. I can't remember how many. And it was pulled from the trial, like early, like 20, like at least 28 days into it, something along those lines. Or it was only a 28 day trial. And they pulled remdesivir because it killed too many people. It was causing uh, kidney failure, organ failure. Those are some of the things. Those are some of the side effects of remdesivir. Remdesivir is what Fauci now uh, prescribes for treatment of COVID in the hospitals. Okay, just to give people an idea. And then Zika. Zika was supposed to be the pandemic, but it didn't pop off the way that he thought it would. Okay, so it's just interesting that he was on those three things. Interesting to me. This guy, you know, um, rest in power. Timothy Cunningham. So, yeah, it does sound like David Crowley. One thing with with um, let me see. I think I think uh, brother Fedco said it. Something about the flu shot. These flu shots that have been given out in the last few years, apparently they have had several viruses in them, including coronaviruses. And I'm so glad you brought that up because one thing that that I've been wondering is people who are coming down with this, how what percentage of people who are getting sick right now have received flu shots in the last few years? Deborah Tavares talks about, she's been talking about it for years, how the shots that are being given to people have latent viruses. And at certain times, whether through 5G and through other means, these viruses would start to express themselves. Some of these viruses, there there are no cures for. What did Timothy Cunningham know? You know, and that's definitely something to look into. I do remember when this brother died. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I'm definitely going to look into all that. You know, there's there's just so much information. The last thing I want to touch on, let me see. You sent me the article with the flu shot. I didn't see the flu, flu shot article. But no, I just see the um the NPR article. But all this stuff, you know, we're we're talking about this distraction. You know, we got the nine eleven backdrop. We're talking about this this pandemic, this pandemic distraction. But the next thing to come around might not be pandemic related at all. And so it goes back to the basics. First off, being mentally, spiritually right. You know, we did a show how to beat the new world order. Uh, I think you all should go and listen to that one again when you get a chance. Because you have to be mentally prepared you have to be spiritually prepared and when you're me- being mentally prepared means you have to be mentally prepared for unexpected things that may 
try to dampen or break your spirit. Be physically prepared. Have food, canned goods, especially. You know, I look at it like this one can of beans or one can is one meal for one person. Three cans a day is theoretically three meals a day. Thing is, you know, and this is why it's important to fast too. You know, we should probably be doing a lot more fasting because if you're hungry and you, you, you're not able to deal with hunger, then your mental clarity is going to be skewed. And if your mental clarity is skewed, then it's just a downhill from there. So you have to be able to keep your mind in the midst of hunger and chaos to make the right decisions, you know, your energy level, you have to learn to tap, tap into your internal energy. In rough situations, you know, you can't let fear guide you. Can't let fear, hunger, anger, sadness, depression guide you in these desperate situations. So that, that's the, the whole mental part of this, you know? In, in these type of situations that, that are being created for us, they want real motherfuckers jumping, you know? Hey, hey, peace, commando, I'm doing great. Thank you, I appreciate it. They want real motherfuckers jumping, you know? They want people, they want to know who's going to be a problem in this new world. They want to know so that, you know, it... The, the nail that sticks up is the first to get hammered. That's how they're looking at people. So don't make it easy for them, you know, as much as possible. And at the same time, don't let these people coerce you into anything that you don't want to do. Yeah, thank you. Make order out of, out of the blue says, make order out of inner chaos. The universe is mental. All this mental. That's right. Make order out of inner chaos. I like that. Exactly. You know, don't, don't have these people making you jump. You jump when you want to jump. If you don't feel like jumping, don't jump, you know. Don't, I, yo, this scene if you've seen the movie, the um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's the one that came out. It's got um, Donald Sutherland in it. Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland's father. It's got Donald Sutherland. That one, it came out in like 1980 or 79, 78, something like that. There's a scene where they're all in there trying to, you know, blend in with the folks who have been body snatched because they're trying to get out of town, you know? They're playing it cool. Nobody can tell because the thing is, you get you can't show emotion. They're playing it cool. Fucking dog runs up to them, and the dog is someone who's been body snatched and it has a human face. Barks. Lady looks down. And she screams, "Oh shit!" Everyone turns around and it knows that they're humans because they don't give a fuck about the dog with the human face. But they had, and I believe that the thing with that dog was 
that was to make people jump. They needed something to make people freak out so that they know who now. You, you didn't change yet. We're coming after you. Don't be that person. You see that? <laughs> you see the dog with the human face? You just eyes forward. Don't even let your heart palpitate. Just stoic. You know what I'm saying? That's what time we're living in right now, folks. I'm going to leave it at that. You know, there's a lot more coming. Hopefully, um, hopefully y'all gain something from this uh, this broadcast tonight. I had a conversation. A lot of good information came through tonight. So definitely go back, you know, even connect with each other. You know, I hope, I hope all of y'all are able to connect with each other and – if you want to be um, added to some conversations, just let me know. You can DM me, and I, I will add you to uh, places where these conversations are being had, you know. But we got to keep it going, you know, in the end of the day. Don't be scared by what's going on, and make sure you communicate with people around you, people with like minds. These fucking tyrants are backs against the wall right now. We just got to keep pushing until their backs break. You know? They, they're only strong if we're divided. But as long as we come together in some form or fashion, attack them from so many different angles. The art of war tells us if you have to defend everywhere, then you can defend nowhere. These people have to defend everywhere. We need people. We need doctors and whistleblowers who are speaking out to give us the information we need to see these people in court, okay? We're in the United States, so we need people who are trained in firearms, martial arts, and all kind of shit. So that they know that they can't just bully us. We need people, lawyers who know the law, the law of the land, international law, human rights law. And we need people to enforce this shit. You know, we listen, especially as melanated people, we are beefing with the cops right now, but we need, you know what I'm saying? We need a truce at this moment because the law enforcement is the last line of defense between us and these globalists. And if they decide to take the shot, if they decide to bend over to these motherfuckers, then it's just us. And we all don't have enough firearms at the moment to do what needs to be done. Or we're not organized enough at the moment to do what needs to be done. But we need to start taking this very seriously. Oh, thank you. Fedco says American frontline doctors are filling, filing all kinds of lawsuits. We'll see. Thank you, man. Thank you, bro. Because we need to have, we need to uh, access those lawsuits and then, you know, spread them around and make sure they're more public. And I'll make sure that I do that shit, you know. I'm going to look into those lawsuits because that's where my head is at at this point. Like, fuck that shit. We need to see these people in court. Fuck de Blasio, right? De Blasio, he's a cocksucker. De Blasio, he's got tyrannical tendencies. And listen, Cuomo went down. We got Cuomo out of here. De Blasio is next, honestly. We'll see what's in store for de Blasio. I'm sure there, there's some, uh, excuse me, creative things that are going to happen to him. 
Um, maybe some scandals will pop up. But there's something on de Blasio for sure. I know uh, I think his term of mayor is all up in November. So they may not catch him. But then you got Eric Eric Adams, who's looking like he may be the new mayor of New York. Got to watch that one. Because he's in with the NYPD. He's buddies with everybody. He's like a black Cuomo kind of, you know, where he's just, he, he's been, and I don't want to say that, but nah, I'm going to keep it real. Eric Adams, because Eric Adams and another guy, I can't remember, he's a, he might have been Brooklyn Borough president or something else. But Eric Adams and this other brother were saying that in order for people to get firearms, they want to check their social media for like a year and check their internet searches for five years. Straight tyrannical shit. Like, really? This is the motherfucker that y'all want to bring in? Hey, but but he carries his own gun, though. But he carries a gun. But nobody else in this fucking city can carry a gun. So you're going to be the only nigga in the city with a gun? I don't care how black you are. Let us all have firearms without law enforcement being all up in our shit. You know? De Blasio's a cocksucker. Well, I'll, I'll do some homework on De Blasio. I'm sure he's done some illegal shit. I mean, even the shot. You see, he's trying to give people fucking sandwiches, hot burgers, and fries, and, and Yankees tickets, and Metro cars and shit to get the shot. He's a piece of shit. He's got tyrannical tendencies, you know? Fuck that dude, De Blasio. If you're in New York, stand up. People were already standing up to him, and it's only going to increase. You know, and hopefully, hopefully in this state, especially in this city, we will show people, you know, what we can do to fight back. And we'll find a nice, clear path of resistance that can be followed. This is going to be the beta test city. Then let it be the beta test city for freedom, too. You know, the non-vast in New York, I don't know. It, it seems like we're in the minority. We might be in the majority, though. Ooh, you just reminded me because I need to take my ass to bed. But uh, you just reminded me. Thank you very much. This is from the Washington Post. Peep game, folks. This is indicative of where we are at. This is from yesterday, so that's September 12th. Headline, a hospital says it won't deliver babies after staffers resigned over coronavirus vaccine mandate. An upstate New York hospital announced that it will stop delivering babies this month after several staffers in the maternity department resigned over the hospital system's coronavirus vaccine mandate. At least six unvaccinated maternity staffers at Lewis County General Hospital have resigned in recent days, and seven others remain undecided on whether to get vaccinated. Gerald Kayer, chief executive officer of the Lewis County Health System, said at a Friday news conference, staff shortage will result in the hospital being, quote, unable to safely staff, end quote, the maternity department beginning September 25th, he said. Quote, the number of resignations received leaves us no choice but to pause delivering babies at Lewis County General Hospital, end quote, Kayer said. Quote, it is my hope that New York State Department of Health will work with us in pausing the service rather than closing the maternity department, end quote. So 
I want to leave you with this. So just to answer your question, are the non-vaccinated in New York the minority? I don't know. What would make anybody who's a maternity nurse most likely has a love for babies? Um, what would make nurses quit? What would make nurses, we had a case where a bunch of healthcare workers were caught with fake vaccine passports, fake cards. What would make these medical professionals risk their lives, their livelihood, their careers? You know, um, these are the people on the front lines. They were heroes and now they're being villainized. What would make them sacrifice all that? They paid money for fake cards. What would make them do that? That's the question. In this article, it says chaos at 165 hospital staffers, about 27% of the workforce remain unvaccinated. 73% of those unvaccinated staffers provide clinical services at the hospital. Thank you, and you answered it. Habzi, Habzate, well, they are on the front line, so they see all the injuries and what's actually going on in these hospitals. Thank you very much. I like asking the questions, and I hope other people answer them. I don't want to answer all the questions. You said, I'm in Canada, and nurses are protesting in front of hospitals. Cops and firefighters are protesting the passports as well. What would make, yeah, it says 73% non-vaxxed. But in Minnesota, we hear that 20-something 20, 20 percent are vaccinated and 80-something percent are unvaccinated in Minnesota. So it just varies by state, by really probably by hospital and hospital system. And we don't know the true numbers in the end of the day. But what would make these people not get the shot? And you said it. They're probably seeing something. They're probably seeing something. I'm going to leave it at that, folks. I got to get to bed. I would stay on for another two hours if I could. There's a lot to talk about. But I'm going to leave y'all with that. We got to get spiritually right and mentally right and prepare for this battle. Definitely, you know, check out the replay of this. You can go to onthewakeupradio.com. Go to our social media platform, otwtube.com. I thank everybody for tuning in and being part of this conversation. It was real tonight. It was real, real powerful, real productive. This one's going down in history. I know that the time travelers are high-fiving each other right now. Holla at me. Big shout-out to my um, my co-host, my brother John, the Masonic Marine from the Truth Blue Podcast. Big shout-out to super producer Cindy Ashby for bringing this all together. Make sure y'all link me. Just hit me up in my DM, you know, if you want to be in different, uh, you know, if you want to talk more like-minded people, just let me know. Tune in again next week for the most dangerous two hours in radio on the wake up. 
Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diang. Cindy Ashwin On the wake up. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all unite. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform.